0: Hey, this is Jody Flynn of Women Taking the Lead. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my friend, Dennis Giannucci.
1: by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Listeners, it's time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and today, listeners, I have a guest. Her name is Jodie Flynn, and um, she is Jodie Flynn of Woman Taking the Lead, and she's an executive leadership coach, podcaster, author, speaker, and workshop facilitator for high-achieving women who are recovering from their last big opportunity or getting ready for the next one. She is the host of the critically acclaimed Women Taking the Lead podcast and an Amazon best-selling author with her book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing. She is the president of the board for the Maine Women's Conference and has been featured in Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jody to the show. Hey, Jody, welcome.
0: Dennis, it's so great to be here and hello to your audience as well.
1: Awesome. Hey, great having you here. Whereabouts are you based in the world?
0: I am in Southern Maine. So for those who are not US-based or, you know, get a little confused with US geography, people know where Boston is. We are about an sure. hour and a half north of Boston. So that's where you'll find me.
1: Yeah, you've got a good baseball team there, right?
0: <laughs> We've got a lot of good sports teams in New England, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so I've given a brief um sort of brief background or introduction for you about you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background?
0: Sure. My degree is in psychology, but the first 10 years of my career I was in mutual fund operations. I came in at the entry level because I was actually at a place where I was I had not intended to find myself in the business realm, but I was there and I was only doing that job to kind of figure out what I was going to do next, you know, yep. So it was to pay the bills, but I, I would, it turned out to be an environment that I thrived in. I was promoted five times in the first five years. And some of those promotions were natural next steps, and some I was not prepared for. And it was a baptism by fire. (laughs) But those experiences, you know, whether it was natural or whether it was like all of a sudden, and, you know, I'm in the midst. It felt like in the midst of chaos. Um, they were experiences that gave me a wealth of information on developing as a leader. And in September of 2010, so 10 years ago, I began the next 10 years of my career when I transitioned to business ownership and executive leadership coaching.
1: Wow! And how, how did you go from mutual fund side of things, psychology into into that business side? I mean, how did you do it? And and why did you do it was one thing. And number two would be uh, that transition. What was that transition like for you?
0: It was um, a twisty, windy road. But Uh when I look at it in retrospect, I really came full circle because when I was, I have my bachelor's degree in psychology and I was actually like this close to getting my master's degree in counseling psychology. And I, It finally sunk in, even though it had been told to me that if you stop at your master's level in counseling psychology, you're really going to be doing social work. So if this is your intention, you might as well just switch and get your master's in social work. And after having done my internship in a social work related job, I realized like this was not what I loved about psychology. I really loved like human potential, like what we were capable of. If we knew ourselves better, how could we develop ourselves to perform at higher levels and, and social work? Oh goodness. So needed, so necessary. And the people who work in social work are angels and saviors, but I knew I was not, designed that way. That that wasn't my passion. And so I did take an entry-level position in mutual fund operations. So it was really like, okay, well, I'll do this to earn money because student loans are going to come due and I don't know what I'm going to do next. Hmm. And like I said earlier, it was perfect for me. And I was in that industry for 10 years, but it was around 2008, when the banking crisis came about right. and our the company i was working for was acquired by a large company in the us and the the shock of the culture change was almost too much it was so stressful it was so crazy to go from a small to mid-sized level company to just a I don't, a juggernaut company. It was, it was just huge. And so I got through the first acquisition. I was employed now by the larger company. And within 15 months, like we were just getting to the point where we felt like we were recovering from all the changes that had come about the company I was working for a company that was doing the same work that we were doing. And so we knew our jobs were on the line. But by that point, I had already discovered coaching and coaching to me was everything that I had loved about psychology that social work was not right. It was that human potential development, high performance And, and transformation really was the added layer of coaching for me over psychology And I got really jazzed by the idea. So I was working in my full-time job. I was at the executive level at that point, doing what I needed to do to get through the day and support the people around me and just started researching more about coaching Mm. and, and companies that were providing certifications on coaching. So when the company I was working for had bought the other company and we knew our jobs were on the line, I was like, this might be my chance. And I started to pray that they would outsource our jobs. I felt horrible for the people I worked with who had mortgages and kids getting ready to go to college. It, it's not to say I did it without feeling, but my own situation, I was, I was like, yes, this is the opportunity. It's the push out of the nest that right. I need to do this. And I was actually able to get my coaching certification while I was still working. We were told our jobs were going to be outsourced, but they needed us to stay for seven months, which gave me plenty of runway way to get certified and start my business. And that was in September of
1: 2010. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. And it sounds like that, you know, you you took that opportunity, right? I mean, it was there in front of you, which is great. I want to go back to something you'd said before, which is about in in the roles that you did and you got to an executive level. How, How did you get into leadership? (laughs)
0: That's a great question, because though I was involved in student government in college, I went to a really small college and participation was required to keep the engine running, so to speak. So, you know, your friends who were doing different things are like, oh, come along, just do it. You know, you can do it. So what I really liked about that college was because it was so small, I was able to participate in some things where if I probably had gone to a large university, I wouldn't have. And then when I was working on my master's, I was an assistant manager in a retail store, but I didn't see myself as a leader. I saw myself as a smart, competent, and capable of organizing and giving instructions to a team, but it was never translated to me as, you are a leader. It Mm. it was more like, oh, well, you can do this. Why don't you do this? Because you can do this. But because of those qualities, I was selected for a promotion time and again. And since then, I've often found myself in groups that when there was a vacancy, you know, they looked to me to take on that leadership role. So there's been this trend there all my life. And I love your question because I don't think I got into leadership. Uh I am a leader, Nice. Right? and and it's only the only thing that held me back in my younger years from expressing it fully was I didn't realize I was a leader. I didn't believe in myself as a leader, but it's always been there,
1: okay. good that's good. That's good to know because uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who fall into it um by mistake or it's just that, you know, or they somebody goes, oh, we need somebody, And they look around, they go, oh, you'll do? Congratulations. <laughs> and then they go, see you in 12 months' time. And for a lot of people, they sink or swim, right, as we say. Right. But, you, but you're right. I mean, it's not about getting into leadership. It it's becoming that leader. It is. You are the leader. Yeah, really good to see as well. And really hey, owning I, it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Owning it is really, really important for sure, yeah. Look, I've got to ask you a question here. Now, no, hearing from your background on that, you've probably got many but I'm going to ask you to choose one. And uh, so who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history, but who is your favorite leader and why?
0: Okay, I do have many, but I did Uh narrow it down to one. I I did what I was told. Good on you. My favorite leader is St. Teresa, who most people know as Mother Teresa, but she was canonized a saint in 2016. And what I admire about her is she was a force. And she was a force not because of her size, charisma, or a booming voice. She was small in stature. She was modest and humble. And she was gentle. And these are not the qualities we typically think of when we think great leader. However, because of her love, compassion, and her absolute conviction yep. in the dignity of all human beings, she revolutionized how we treat the poor and the sick, and she became one of the most famous people who ever lived.
1: Yeah, oh, awesome. That's that's fantastic. And they they'd say that she could actually move. Uh, air forces or um, uh, whole armies and things like that of people because she was as you said very influential great lady and um, yeah that's wonderful that you shared that because a lot of people share their you know sort of people that we know and hear a lot about but that's probably one about one of the first times I've heard somebody say uh, Mother Teresa or Saint Teresa so that's that's really quite cool to hear so thank you
0: thank you for sharing that
1: Okay, so the show is called Leadership is Changing, and of course, there's lots of things happening around the world today. But when I say that terminology, what does that mean for you?
0: And this is a great question after the last one. The world needs leadership more than ever, but we don't just need leaders. We need great leaders. And by that, I mean, it's not enough anymore to be smart, competent, and capable of organizing and giving instruction to a team. A leader must be open and curious, a great listener, and someone who can show empathy and develop future leaders in this mold. And leaders now must also be committed to their ongoing personal development. They must be okay with making mistakes and owning up to it and get it wrong. I mean, leaders are more visible than ever. And I'm thinking, especially in the movement to create more diverse, equitable, and Mm. inclusive cultures within organizations, that commitment has to come from and be modeled from the top. The days of a company's reputation coming solely from their advertising, press releases, and stock price are gone. Employees and former employees are on social media describing their workplace cultures, and there have been companies that have been outed because, or they've been outed for saying one thing publicly and not backing it up within the organization. And the stats of senior leadership and board seats are telling, and people are paying closer attention. So there's almost this required transparency, of leadership because people are going to know, how are you doing? How are you yeah. doing on these important issues?
1: Yeah, you're too right. And and that transparency is getting louder and louder um, every single, not year, not week, yeah. every day is getting <laughs> louder, right?
0: Right. And then there's a new platform. A year ago, I was never talking about TikTok. Now it's no. all the rage. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, before I was talking about Kit Kat, but now we're talking about TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one's a chocolate and one's not, but never mind, um, <laughs> that's all good. But you're right. And, and you know, my background is my father is from Greece and um, there is a saying in, 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 uh, in the Greek side of things that a fish rots from the head. Mm. And, um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, leadership comes from the head of the person, you know, of the organization, things like that. And they have to show that and the transparency and so forth. I think it's so true. But, yeah, it is getting louder and louder all the time. Um, And
0: you've probably seen this as well, Dennis, when you're brought into an organization to help them develop or take on some new initiative or change. You start meeting with people and you're developing them and you're training them and it's all great. But what you hear from the people that you're hmm. working with is this isn't gonna last long because the people at the top they're investing the money as a look good, feel good thing, but they're not doing it.
1: No, right? You're they're right. not
0: attending the trainings.
1: They're not and, walking and the talk.
0: They're not walking the talk. And how many times have you heard people in workshops or trainings say, you know who really needs to be here? My boss.
1: <laughs> All the time. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You hear it all the time. You know, and I, every time I will go and roll out a program, there might be four, five, people, whatever, go through it. That always comes up. That's number yeah. one. And then the number two bit is, is that we've got to start with the leaders so then they can live it all the time for sure.
0: Right. And support their teams, right? If yeah. it's a new initiative, the so leaders should be learning it first so that when as their teams go through it, they can support them. And they know yeah. what they're going through.
1: To sure, right. And and when it does happen, oh, it's a beautiful thing to see it happen, right?
0: Yes. When yeah. everyone's on board and it yep. it's just infiltrated throughout yep. the company and the culture and you see it, yes. Then everyone is like, okay, our leaders are oh, people feel good when their leaders are walking their talk. They know what yep. to expect of them and they trust them.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think what we've noticed is, as we're talking to leaders since the the COVID side of things, the pandemic and that and lockdown um, happening towards the beginning of this year, what we've noticed is that those organisations that just based on what you just said there about the trust and walking the talk, they were the organisations, the teams that were able to adapt quicker. Yes, uh, those who didn't adapted but they were—they found it a lot harder because they didn't have that trust, that foundation side of things, right, which was really important.
0: Right, absolutely. And, and communication is key, right? Mm. People feel more trust when they feel like they're being informed and right. guided. So that yeah. it, it does absolutely – there's so many little ways to build trust and there's so many little ways to lose trust. But the companies that are, you know, enforcing – those things. They're, they're communicating, they're walking, they're talk, they're asking their people, they're getting their input and they're taking action on it. Or at the very least explaining to them, we're not doing this right now. Here's why let's, let's talk about this or reshape it. You know, when they have those open conversations with their people and their people know what's going on, there's trust.
1: Yeah. Let's go back to something you said before, which is around the transparency side of things and, you know, the empathy, the open side of things. Uh, I think it's really important. So there's a couple of things I actually want to go back to. One is around personal development. So we'll go back to that. But the second one is around the transparency. Let's go let's go to their personal development. How important is for is it for a leader to or a person? Forget it whether they're a leader, an individual. Why is it is it important for them to be doing this personal development and what should they be doing?
0: Oh that's such oh so good. Personal development required, right? Cuz mm. you have to have self-awareness, right? You need to know where you need to develop yourself. And there's so many ways you can do this. It's almost like you can pick your interests and follow them, right? Mm. Or think about w- what's coming up in conversations. What do my people need from me? What skills do I need to develop? And you can do this through books, documentaries, you know, there's online programs, there's trainings you can sign up for, there's coaching, but you just, it's not even so much important other than having an, I think, required is uh, self-awareness in terms of, you know, what your strengths are, you know, what your weaknesses are, and you know, the impact you have on other people, that is minimum and anything you can do to develop that awareness and those skills fantastic. When you branch out from there, it really could be almost anything cuz it depends on what your interests are, what sector you're in, you yep. know, what type of business you have, the business model, how big is your team, but if you're following your interests hmm. and you're paying attention to what you're being asked, you'll know what to seek out and and how to develop. It's almost like a natural next step. Every new learning leads you to the next thing. And there's so many resources out there.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, great. And, and I think the other thing too is a lot of people go into large organizations or any kind of business and they're expecting their business, their, their company to develop them. They go, okay, so what's the company going to do for me? I've never had that attitude. I've always had the attitude of I've got to look after myself and be the best myself. Mm-hmm. And so I would actually go and invest money on in myself rather than waiting for I mean, if the company did it, great. But um, I never waited for that. Uh, what, what Have you been like that? Or what, what have you done?
0: Yeah, it's been a mix of both. I mean, there there's mm. even been some trainings that the company had suggested where I thought, ooh, that is not... Where Where I want to be going. That's not what I <laughs> and and that actually came around as I was discovering coaching. I had a leader in my organization who was who said, "I'd like you to get certified as a black belt, which is like a process improvement training. And I was like, "Ooh, process improvement is not really where I want to focus because by that point, as you're well aware, I was more interested in developing people honing leaders, mentoring, you know, how do we get training for leaders? How do we give them experiences as leaders so they can test it out and see what it's... I was at that point more interested in developing a program where we could give people a taste of what it's like to be a people leader before they become a people leader. Because we, you brushed on this earlier, sometimes people are chosen just because, you know, they're really good at the task or the... The area, they have a lot of knowledge in the area. And it's like, oh, the position's open. Well, you're the most senior person here. You've been doing this the longest, or you're the strongest person on this team. You be the team lead. And then they, like, some of them will do well. And some people get in that position and they don't know how to lead people, they know how to do the work. Really well. And so I was more interested in how do we give people a taste of that so they know whether or not this is something that interests them, you know? And perhaps if they're not a people leader, we can find them another path of leadership that they can feel good about. Because especially in the US culture, like if you're not getting promoted, then you feel like a failure or you feel like there aren't opportunities to get raises. But, you know, we so we're promoting people at the expense of. All the other people who will then report mm. to them. So I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's just an example of how, you know, y- there's so many different things you can hone yourself and get and gain skills on. And yes, to answer your question, I was reading personal development books and it did show in the workplace. that It's part of what had me stand out. And I think my psychology background and my interests and how people work was a huge reason as to why I got those five promotions when I got them. Because I'd already had a basis in, you know, psychology and human development. And I just kept adding to what I knew. And then as I was experiencing things at work, I would look up articles you know, and maybe some trainings on, well, how do you deal with this situation and what does right. this happen? So it's it's really to sum it all up, like follow your interests.
1: Very good. Yeah. And, you know, when, I mean, you and I young people, we're, we're, we're young. And um, <laughs> the, the thing here is that even going back 20 years ago, um, you know, we we would read the books and so forth. If I go back 30 years ago, it was the cassette tapes, um, the the books and things like that. But books has always been there. Nowadays, a lot of people say to me, oh, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm a leader. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, I'm a manager. I'm just too busy for that stuff. I'm like, what? And so today there is, you know, going back to the, about the articles and, and so forth, you've got those available. But now you've got things like executive book summaries. They take 300 pages. They summarize it in eight pages. Easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got the Audible side of things. You've got audios. You've got audio books. My Savior.
0: Yep, yep, Audible.
1: (laughs) Podcasts and things like that. So that's great. And now you've also got things like YouTube, and you can go on there and you can search the topics like you were just saying before, and you can go and watch somebody on a video, give you some information about it, show you how to do it, uh, which is quite interesting to see. I want to go. Go on.
0: Oh, I was going to say, yes, it, it makes no sense for somebody to say, I'm too busy to get better at what I'm doing.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very easy to say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, can, yeah. I want to go to the the second area that I wanted to ask you, because that one was around the personal development. The second one was around transparency. Mm-hmm. We're finding that, as you said before, that people are leaders are expected to be more transparent nowadays. Why why aren't they transparent? What What's sort of holding them back? Any ideas?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is this perception that a leader is somebody who has it all together, right? Right. They're always doing the right thing. They know the way, show the way, go the way, right? right? And if they're making mistakes or they don't know, then they feel like, oh, I shouldn't be a leader. But that's not true. That's an old myth about leaders was that leaders had to just do everything perfectly. They had to be the person who knew the most in the room. Mm -hmm. And that, that is not true at all. As a leader, you don't have to be the most knowledgeable person in the room. You have to be able to create that space that would allow the most knowledgeable person in the room to feel comfortable, to bring their thoughts forward or to encourage other people to bring their perspectives forward and how to, how to gain information. And I, 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 have had clients who have said, you know, when it came up that they needed help, right? They were drowning in the amount of work they needed to do and deliverables and all of that. And I was like, who can you ask for help? Or can you have a conversation with your boss and set priorities and find out what needs to get done so you can reorganize this? Because yes, this is more than is humanly possible for any one person to do, And the response, I'll never forget this one response, but I've heard it on several occasions. I can't do that because if I do that, I'll be saying, I'm not competent. I am not capable. You chose the wrong person for this job. So instead of being transparent and getting a little vulnerable and saying, I need help, they were more willing to sacrifice their health their families, their personal life, you know to work these extremely long hours so they could keep up appearances that they had it all together.
1: yep I'm glad I asked you that question because I think you're right. I mean that's 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 exactly where a lot of people are at and they don't want to be transparent because it's almost like they have a mask uh, that they're hiding behind that mask. I'm not talking about a pandemic mask I'm talking about this mask called leadership at times, and uh, some people hide behind it, and uh, it's really quite sad to see it happen. Um, yeah, when yeah.
0: it doesn't need to, like like you, we've shared, like you can come forward and people will respect that. It's I'll, a I'll strength.
1: Share,
0: I'll share this really quick, Dennis, because I was that person at times right. in my job, and when I was, you know, getting close to the next promotion, I would have people say. You know, I want your job, but I don't want to do what you were doing. Yeah. Cause they saw it. They yeah. saw the long hours. And I was like, I don't expect that you do what I do. Part of me is like, I, at that point in my life, I was a workaholic and I derived extreme. um, pleasure and also like some ego boost as well to really over-delivering all of the time. And I would just say, I don't expect you to do what I did. I expect you to deliver and know when that means you need to work a little bit extra and when you can back off a little bit. But it it let me know that as a leader, I was scaring people away from ever wanting to be, you know, to my successor. Mm. Yeah, mm,
1: yeah, that's no, uh, scary uh, for a lot of people. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's good. So thanks for sharing and being vulnerable with us there. Um, <laughs> so that's cool, Jody. How has your business or industry changed, and what you know, sort of, what demands has that put on you?
0: Mm-hmm. While professional coaching as an industry is still relatively new, there have been the recent demands on delivering services on a virtual platform. Right. So there have been some changes. And luckily my business was already set up to do this. For me specifically, uh, I think there's a greater need for executive leadership coaching that is designed specifically for women. And the pandemic has revealed the the imbalance of unpaid work in the home that puts more pressure on women. Women are also more prone to the tendencies of perfectionism and people-pleasing, and there's a greater negativity bias towards women. And if you're a woman of color, that negativity bias is multiplied. And women leaders have very specific needs, and I think companies are starting to realize that. And I believe this is the reason why we're not seeing more women rising to the top, even though they're being given more access to training and mentorship, right? Those numbers just aren't moving significantly. And I believe that part of the reason for that is these development programs were designed for men and they miss vital components that would be helpful to women leaders and for them to thrive.
1: Yeah, I've got to say that, you know, I've had uh, women leaders over the years and they've been the best leaders I love working with them. They I think they're fantastic. I think they they are way at times better than male, but at the end of the day it's male or female. Like for me it's it's they're bringing some talent to the table and they're bringing experience to the table which is tremendous to see and so I think a lot of organizations need to wake up and they need to, to understand I mean in this country, you know, we're on our third uh, female prime minister. And we've got, even from the opposition party at the moment, there's a a, a, a female as well. Very capable people, people who mm-hmm. understand. And, you know, I think you're right. I mean, there's, there have been programs developed for people and for men and, and so forth. But I, I think there's so much more we can do if we got smart, right? And um, yeah, I think it's really, really important that we do.
0: Yeah, and it's not like we're lo- we're looking to have women take over, right? We're we're looking for balance, right? And and it's been proven out that companies that have a balance of women and men on boards and in top leadership tend to do better over the long term. Yep right cuz there there tends to be a little more risk assessment. So at, in a study, I wish I oh, I wish I could go back and remember where I saw this, but companies that were largely had men in top levels of leadership and on boards grew really fast, right? Because they have a higher risk tolerance, but they were also more likely to crash after a few years whereas companies that had a balance they had that long-term sustainability because there was a little more risk assessment and holistic thinking. And I think men and women—we actually make each other better mm. working together, you know. But women are missing in those those top levels, and so they're not in those meetings where decisions are being made.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. Some good points there, um, Listen, I'm here with Jody, and we're talking about uh, leadership is changing, of course, and we're talking about some really cool things here. Jody, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what what would that one thing be?
0: This is going to be very controversial, but I'm going to bring it around.
1: (laughs) Hold hold on, listeners. Here we go.
0: I would like to change the bottom line as the focus. Ah. Right? There are companies that have increased... This is what's shocking to me, that in the midst of this pandemic, there are companies that have increased their stock prices Mm -hmm. while conducting massive layoffs, which means they got those higher stock prices because they cut salaries, not because the company was technically performing well. It's, it was like, in the thinking is like, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, the stockholders are going to understand if there's a dip, but it comes back. If you're a strong company, your stock prices come back. And, you know, it just tells me that those companies, their priority was the, the bottom line and the shareholders, not their people. And yes, the bottom line is important, right? A company's not going to stay afloat for very long if they're not paying attention to the bottom line. But if you develop the people of your organization as leaders and creative thinkers and allow them to contribute even more to the direction of the company, the bottom line will meet or exceed expectations. hmm invest in your people, trust your people, have your eye on the bottom line, but focus on your people. And are they or aren't they not thriving as employees?
1: The ego leaders, the ego listeners, focus on the people, help them develop, grow them. And then the bottom line should follow as well. So it's pretty cool. Uh, Jody. What I want to ask you here now is about, um, and I'm not sure whether you've got employees for you, but I think, you know, even people that you work with uh, and also your friends and so forth who are maybe employees, how has employee expectations of leaders changed?
0: Mm-hmm. It's true. I haven't been an employee for the past 10 years, but I <laughs> nearly everyone in my life is an employee yeah. of someone else. And so I, I hear the stories. And so anecdotally, I don't think employees' expectations of leaders has changed that much right now. Employees expect their leaders to lead, basically. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean they expect their leaders to communicate any expectations, changes, and company news. They expect their leaders to run a productive meeting and hold everyone on the team accountable to do their job. But that's what's required to be considered as doing an okay job as a leader. Like, you're doing okay. And to be considered a good leader, you have to understand the needs of your team in terms of what motivates them and what makes them feel good about their job. And to be honest, Dennis, I don't think expectations have changed all that much because most people would report that they feel lucky to have an okay or a good boss. Because I think most of us have had at least one time in our lives where we've had the experience of a leader, one of our leaders being someone who wasn't really fit to be in that leadership role. And I think because of this, we set the bar really low for our leaders. Like I know several people in my life who would say, yeah, yeah, my boss is okay. I've got a good thing. They're okay. You know, they, but they don't rave about them. They don't tell Mm -hmm. these great stories about them. And I think, but here's, here's where this is going. I think what's coming on the horizon is the expectation that our leaders see, respect and value all the aspects that make us individuals as employees. And that includes our gender, our ethnicity, our partnerships and families, our socioeconomic class, abilities or disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. It's gonna be expected that leaders create and foster an environment that is safe and welcoming for their employees to bring their whole self to work, their best self to work. Yep. And that what ma- is what makes a great leader.
1: Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of that uh, sort of terminology at the moment or more about being psychologically safe as well uh, mm-hmm. in an environment whereby, you know, you can be, as you say, your full self within the organisation, feel safe being able to be there and doing that. But So we're going to see a lot more of that too, for sure. But see yeah. respect and value, uh, I think, are three important things, as you say, uh, which is really good. So, um, yeah, I agree. The employee's expectations. Changing, yes, possibly, but um, yeah, some really good points you brought up there. Yeah. Jody, um, what makes a leader successful today in this fast paced, ever changing world? (laughs) That's
0: easy adaptability. Yeah. You have to be agile as a leader as a leader to gather as much information as you can from a diverse group of people and resources and make decisions as quickly as you can. It doesn't mean making snap decisions. You got to do a little bit of research, but as soon you want to do it quickly and you have to be able to get the most out of what you have right? Get creative and evaluate performance against goals regularly. And this is the heart of strategic thinking and planning, right? If you're really grounded in those concepts, you're also grounded in the concept of adaptability. Yeah. And the COVID-19 shutdowns were a real-life stress test for many companies' ability to um, to ad- adapt under the current conditions. And those companies that communicated well, created workarounds, and embraced new technologies did okay. And locally, anecdotally, I know some companies changed how they accepted orders and delivered their products and services, and ch- some changed their products and services to meet the needs of the market. Mm. And and at the bottom line of all of this, they answered the question, what do we need to change to stay in business? They got creative and they adapted. And I love those
1: stories. So what do we need to change to stay in business? Right. Yep. I think that's a very good question because a lot of, uh, I, I think there are businesses that haven't, haven't even asked themselves those kind of questions. They, that, in a sense of, oh, what are we going to do? we just going to bring some sales in to be able to survive. That's different to what you've just said, because, you know, what do we need to do? What do we need to change to stay in business this is a totally different question. And right. um, I'm not sure they're asking themselves that. And some of them are just still still doing the same and expecting the same results, right? That's um, it's amazing <laughs> what happens there.
0: Yeah. And you can ask the question as well, very simply, like, okay, everything has changed. You think about your customers well, what are their needs now? Like while we're going through a pandemic, what does my client need from me, right? And and for me and for you, like those things changed a little bit, maybe not dramatically, but we started, you know, there were some programs I was gonna do and it's like, okay, put those to, to bed until there's a vaccine and we can deliver on that. But leaders right now, so much is being asked of them, how can I support them? How can mm. I provide for them? So even within my own, you know, one-woman company, you know, there there's this shift that had to happen in order to stay relevant and vital during this time.
1: Yep, too right. Yep, very important that. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to get out that crystal ball right now, and we're going to start talking about the future and things like that. Well, where do you see leadership being in five years from now?
0: We've already talked about this. Mm. diversity, equity, and inclusion. That is a movement that's building and it's not going away. Marginalized groups are gaining momentum and seeking rights of equality and accessibility. And, And when I say marginalized group, I'm not talking about those people out there somewhere. These are people within your organization that may be downplaying what makes them diverse so as not to stand out. Or if it's an invisible aspect of themselves, they may be doing what they can to hide that. And there right now is a window of opportunity for companies to embrace and commit to having a diverse, equitable, and inclusive culture and then taking the necessary steps to make it a reality. But we talked about this before too. It starts from the top. Mm. The leaders at the top have to be active participants in the process. So we've just given you the crystal ball. Mm -hmm. This is the thing, you know, Find out how your company can bring these concepts to life within your culture.
1: Absolutely. It starts from the top, listeners. Uh, that's what Jody's sharing here. But I like it. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, very important three things uh, for organizations, for leaders to be starting to, to think about for sure. Hey, Jody, thank you for joining us on the show today. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go?
0: Yep. My hub is my website. It's women takingthelead.com or you can email me at Jody. It's J O D I at WomenTakingTheLead and I'm easy to find on LinkedIn as well.
1: Awesome, Jody. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. So thank you,
0: Dennis. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It is time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Listeners, look out for the episodes as they've been released, download them, have a listen, put a review, a rating, and share them with your friends, your network, and your family. And if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show or any questions you'd like me to ask my guests or ask me on the Ask Dennis episode, send me an email, Dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Just a reminder, uh, listeners, that we have the Facebook group called Leadership is Changing, the community where you can join and share thoughts and insights and so forth around that side of thing. Hey, listeners, great to have you on the show here today. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to
0: this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.